Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Happy first of the month. On the first day of each month, we review the book of the month. In order to be considered for book of the month, a book has to meet a very simple criteria. It has to be impactful enough that it will either change your life or your perspective on the world. Now, whether it does or not, it's entirely up to you. If you consume it as a piece of entertainment, you're missing the point. But if you internalize it, make its messages part of you, you have a realistic opportunity of lasting growth. Our book this month is absolutely worthy of book of the month. And it's not a traditional book in the sense of being a business book like many of the other books we've reviewed in the past. Our book this month is called Iceland's Secret by Jared Bibler. Jared's an American who worked on Wall Street as an analyst and as a trader. In 2004, after several trips to Iceland, he fell in love with the country and eventually sought employment in finance. His first role in Iceland was developing software that was used for asset management at one of the major banks. He was finding that the software development role to be a backroom effort with very little human interaction. So eventually, Jared took on a role in another one of the large banks on their commercial trading desk. It was a role for which he was well-suited. His Wall Street experience had prepared him well. Never mind the fact that almost everything was being done in Excel spreadsheets when proper databases simply did not exist. Now, along the way, Jared observed financial irregularities, which he dutifully reported to his superiors, and was given assurances that they were being handled. But the evidence showed that they were being swept under the rug. Those days in Iceland were heady days. Private jets flew in and out of the island on a regular basis. Construction cranes were everywhere. The number of new units far exceeded any reasonable demand from the local population. Jared became increasingly uncomfortable with what he perceived to be a toxic environment, and he quit his job at the bank days before the entire financial system collapsed. The Icelandic crisis of 2008 was an earthquake that leveled the financial fortunes of an entire nation. The stock market lost 97% of its value from its high in 2007, effectively a stunning reset of the whole market to zero. By comparison, in the U.S., the S&P 500 and the German DAX indices each dropped around 55% in that same time period, still representing a huge loss but not a complete wipeout. The cause of the complete deletion of the Icelandic stock market is pretty clear. The value is more or less comprised of the shares of three collapsed banks, and when these went bust, the entire market went with them. Unemployment also surged in Iceland from a handful of employees back in 2007, and by the spring of 2009, the number of those without work had multiplied by a factor of five. Not long after quitting his job at the bank, he found a new job at the regulator and he was put to work investigating what happened. In a temporary cubicle erected in the old lunchroom at the regulator, he set about to find out what happened, who did it, and who needed to pay for it. Six months into his new job, the trading patterns for one of the banks on a single day showed what appeared to be unlimited buying from a single trader who bought all the shares in the bank that day. It was a market with only one buyer. Further investigation showed the same pattern the day before, and the day before that, and the week before that, and even the months before that. The pattern of unlimited buying had been going on, in fact, for years, and it involved not just one bank, but three of Iceland's largest banks. Yet somehow, when the auditors reviewed the balance sheet at each of these banks at the end of the quarter, the balance sheet looked just fine. Nothing seemed out of order. So who was buying the shares of the bank, before the end of the quarter to get them off the balance sheet. Well, it turns out there were many different schemes that were in play. There were newly formed companies that had tremendous ability to borrow funds from the bank and use these loans to buy the shares from the bank, 
It was a form of money laundering, but in this case it was laundering of shares in the bank. Many of these companies were domiciled in the Channel Islands or in the British Virgin Islands, among several other international locations. This book is a first-person account of a man who took the unlikely step to become a cog in the financial machine that perpetrated one of the largest financial crimes in the past century. He then took an even unlikelier step to take an investigative role at the regulator and ultimately uncovered the fraud. A small number of people at the center of the fraud were eventually prosecuted, and that process took years. This book is a cautionary tale. It shows the many systemic elements that made it difficult to uncover the fraud and then eventually to prosecute and enforce those regulations. Now, security markets all over the world are full of bad actors and corrupt trades, and yet no national regulator wants to seriously go after these criminals because to do so would disadvantage their market vis-a-vis other markets in the world. No country wants to lose market share. So the cancer continues to eat away at the markets all over the world. In every area of human endeavor, there are those who seek to profit by skirting the law. The losers in this culture of pervasive securities crimes are us, the public, who, if we're lucky, have our pension or retirement funds invested in these rotten markets. The value of our investments gets slowly siphoned off by inside traders and market manipulators, but we never really get to see or feel these losses. The perpetrators of these scams talk about victimless crimes. And yet, even with a smoking gun and mountains of evidence, less than 10% of the potential cases of wrongdoing were eventually prosecuted in Iceland. When we see these cases, they hit the headlines. But it's only the Enrons, the Madoffs, the cases like Theranos, and most recently FTX, that make the headlines. We do sometimes witness these types of irregularities in the marketplace. And the question is, how do we deal with them? Do we turn and look the other way? Do we take action? Do we notify the relevant authorities? Are the authorities accomplices to the fraud? The signs were there. Things were amiss, and yet nothing happened until the house of cards collapsed. Reading this book made me think of situations I personally witnessed from a distance, and eventually the criminal activity was prosecuted, but often far too late. Reading this book has definitely altered the way in which I look at the world. I'm going to be much more vigilant as a result. As you think about that, go out and get a copy of Iceland's Secret. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.